the first experience of your site, never mind the aesthetics of it, the branding, how it shows up, whether or not it loads in is your first touch. Going back to Shopify and how it's built to cater to everybody and every use case, that's got a lot of weight in the code, how things are served, the things they consider, the security measures they put in. When you bring it on yourself, you can basically void anything that you don't need that's being loaded in there as extra weight. We're talking close to like 100% load time decreases on some heavier themes, especially in the world of TikTok and Snapchat traffic and these fast-paced platforms. When you're in that mindset of instant satisfaction, if you don't get that from the website that you clicked on, you're gonna move on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that simple. Are you ready to grow your audience and revenue? Send in Blue is a multi-channel marketing platform that empowers businesses to create stronger customer relationships. Create personalized emails, captivating SMS campaigns, chat, custom landing pages, quick sign-up forms, automated workflows, and more instantly. Curious to learn more? Sign up today at sendinblue.com forward slash DTC and enter promo code DTC to get one month free on a premium plan. Do it all with Send in Blue. It's all killer, no filler, the D2C podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and today I am here with a different set of usual suspects, including past guest Jesse Campbell, CEO and founder of Partner, as well as Brett, the innovation lead at Pilot House, and Cam Wynn may or may not join as well. Welcome to the D2C podcast, guys. Jesse, kick us off as a longtime like web developer, web designer. What is headless commerce exactly? Sure. Well, I guess maybe I'll... I'll to find my role around it a little bit. I run an agency. Uh, we do a lot of work on the Shopify platform and I've navigated the design and development of many online stores, including some headless commerce stores. Um, and to define headless commerce a little bit, uh, we can even take a step up and, and talk about like headless content management. You know, back in the day, there used to be things like WordPress and WordPress is still very around and very uh, prolific, but there are now front-end technologies that allow web developers and companies to express themselves in more unique ways on the front-end to their user, the website experience. A lot of the back-end technologies, like content management such as WordPress, relies on the theme to be developed in. It used to be uh, only in PHP, which is a little bit limiting. And developers and designers and companies in general might want to do stuff outside of what the PHP environment allows for or what the particular content management platform allows for. They want to do different stuff. They want to be able to connect with other platforms and bring content and data in from there. So what Headless as a concept does is it sort of severs the tie between content that is managed, which is just data in a database, and how it is displayed on the front end. So to tie that into a Shopify experience or into an e-commerce experience that says currently a store owner would sign up for Shopify and apply a theme to their store that creates a front-end experience. That theme has an engine in the middle that goes and gets the data from Shopify, all your products and your images and your descriptions and pulls it into that experience. And some themes are nicer than others and you can apply a new theme and it'll look different. Um, but that theme environment has certain restrictions. A simple one to bring up would be the URL structure. If you want to have a page at mystore.com slash Jesse's page, that's actually defined by Shopify. 
that it needs to have slash pages slash Jesse store. You can't actually have something as the slash whatever. Um, so there's like a little bit of limitations in those themes. Um, by developing a, or by choosing to go the route of a headless e-commerce experience, you decouple the, the Shopify product description and customer and uh, order info from your front-end experience. So what you're saying is I'm going to create my own website using my own technologies like React, a really popular one, Next.js. There's a bunch of them out there that are like really common amongst developers, front-end developers. I'm gonna create something there and I'm only gonna rely on Shopify for the thing that it does really, really well, which is product management and it's order management and it's customer management. And that's just a back-end thing that is a tool that my business is gonna use that is separate from the experience that I'm creating for my my users. It makes makes a ton of sense. It's like, you know, as e-commerce is, is growing, like having it be sort of like in the box to start makes a lot of sense. But every message that I hear from brands is just how important the ability to kind of meet your customer where they are, provide these sort of unique dynamic experiences. And it sounds like this is the way. Can someone give me some examples of things that are achieved for customers through headless commerce that wouldn't be through decoupled or coupled, sorry? Yeah, I, I could jump in there. I think Jesse did a, a fantastic job explaining that. And the, one of the, the uh, privileges you grant yourself when you build this system of being able to handle these transactions, being able to handle these orders, being able to track your users at a granular level um, and do with what you please with that data and having that API integration is you can start moving into other channels very, very seamlessly. So a big one that people usually leverage right away once they set up their page on the headless system is really using email and SMS to it to its greatest extent uh, because you're tracking every single session in the user and you'll be able to attribute exactly what items in their cart when they clicked it, how they scrolled on the page, what their session looked like at the time they came in. You have so much more of a granular experience, uh, something you could replicate some of the times in Shopify with certain plugins and extensions, but you're beholden to just those not only the functionality of them, but the weight that they might add, the branding that they might add in there. The way I like to think of it is it, it lets you literally do anything with your front-end experience. When we're talking about things like subscription brands especially, maybe you want to send out a text where somebody just replies with what bundle they want to renew their subscription on. You can do that. All you do is you send an API call. If user says, I want three bottles of XYZ energy drink, you tell your API, tell Shopify to ship user XYZ, three things to the energy drink. Tons of other benefits, but that the flexibility that it warrants in having control of that front-end user session is, is invaluable, especially if, if growth is on your horizon. It opens up really creative solutions for things like retail, direct TV, billboards. You can even get into like like user tracking within retail stores. There's some really cool technology there. The, dives into like facial recognition and like uh, like uh, foot traffic patterns and, and things like that. Uh, and it's, it's really building that uh, blank slate for you to build all of those things on uh, outside of all the other benefits that, that you bring in, like page speed, flexibility in your branding, being able to, like you said, Eric, meet your users where they are, wherever they are and, and how they want to be met. Um, it gives you that, that blanket control to do so. 
to me, it feels a little bit like the merge. Something we talk about in this podcast all the time is the the world of branding and performance marketing. And it's like on the marketing side, that's what marketing is all about: is meeting customers where they are, having the right message for the right audience at the right time, and kind of bringing them in. This seems like headless commerce enables you to kind of create that performance experience throughout the funnel in a way that is also maybe more branded. Is it, is it like finally the merging of performance and branding together at last, Jesse? What do you think? It's hard to say because when you get into, if you're going the route of headless commerce, you're adopting a lot of technology. You're saying, I want to have the staff, the design and development uh, staff to support the growth of my product. You are building a digital product. You're building an app that talks to Shopify. And so if you want to expand on that app, let's say that app currently just has some product pages that are really nice and outside of the, you know, the, the theme structure. So it just has product pages and it just has a homepage and then it spits the user to the Shopify checkout. That's a really simple app to build. But when you get into like wanting more features, really delicate features, ones that are really specific for your users, then it becomes a technical problem, right? Then you're actually managing a product like you would if you were building an app because you are. And so is it the intersection of like performance marketing and, and e-commerce? It can be, absolutely. It can also be something completely different that, uh, that like we haven't quite imagined yet. You know, it could be if you already have a React app that is you know, a to-do list and you wanna add a to-do to everyone's to-do that is buy a t-shirt from my company, you can do that because you have React and you can just tie into the product uh, to the Shopify API and there's your headless e-commerce. So headless e-commerce isn't just, I'm building an online store here. Headless e-commerce is, I'm using Shopify for what it does really well. And so you can pull products into anything uh, that can like connect to that API. Interesting. Does it open up the doors for partnerships and other, that's the way when I was first understanding a little bit, like, like D2C, for example, if we took all of our favorite D2C products and had a page that was like D2C curated and you could then like, if we could host like checkouts for, you know, on our site for each of these ways in a way that didn't maybe go to their site that still allowed them to like check out, like, is, is that an example of headless commerce? It could be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just the caveat here, just to help consolidate some understanding, um, that would be the case where all of the end brands you're working with would have the headless commerce setup that you would be utilizing on your front end. So it's, let's say you have, you have a company that's selling a hat, a t-shirt, and a course. If those three companies all have a headless setup on the back end and you're able to integrate into their API to say, click one button and you instantly purchase all three of these from all three of these competitors, it's actually a really creative use case of it to where you're centralizing a bunch of companies that are set up in a headless environment on your page. Definitely like it's, and that's, that's just one of those things where if you're a brand that onboards some sort of headless system, whether that's rebuilding your entire site and front end to accommodate it, or just building a single app that utilizes it. Once you open that back door, it opens you up to building really cool partnerships like what you just talked about. If there's companies that are offering that bleeding edge traffic source that's clicking you auto purchase my product, you can then do that. 
it's super interesting. I, I've been thinking a lot about Elon Musk and, and WeChat, his, his whole thing about do, doing this WeChat thing where you have one killer app where you can do everything from it. And, and as I'm thinking about Headless and these applications, it feels like if you want to be able to plug into an everything app like that, you're going to need a headless presence, right? Like you're going to need a way that you can pop in with, with your brand, your products in these other environments that probably is going to be best accomplished headless. And a lot of the times with things like that, and, and you'll see it all the time, if there's a, a use case and a feature that people want, there's going to be a Shopify app built around it. And there's going to be a way that a, a lay store owner could onboard onto that. What you're really getting um, when you take it on full bore and, and build internally is the flexibility within that and how you leverage it. So there could be a Shopify app that, oh, we connect to WeChat XYZ. Um, when you build it from the ground up, you can do absolutely anything you please. You could build that integration yourself. You could maybe have them select quantity and volume, or maybe it's a dynamic conversation and you build a chatbot that ties into it. When you take it on yourself, it's really that flexibility that you afford to do absolutely anything you want. But there, there is a huge, huge trade-off that I, I want to make sure isn't <laughs> understated. And I, I saw Jesse touching on it. It's, it's you're truly building this from the ground up. The you're, the trade-off, this all sounds great, and it, it really is. It, it is as groundbreaking as it sounds. But the reason that it's it's not as widely adopted is because Shopify is really good because it's so easy, right? You can spin up an e-commerce store in 10 minutes and start selling T-shirts. Um, and it's like Apple. It, it just works. You can make, It just works. Right? You can make those changes. It'll serve on every device. You could download a theme. You could swap your text. You could split test buttons. All of this stuff just happens instantly. When you jump into developing apps and building this in, in your own environment, you either have to take on a large team. Any little thing you want to change, unless you build your own front end, is going to be a, a developer task that you have to roll out. So there is a trade-off there that you have to consider when, when going down these roads. There, there are a lot of options out there. Um, we're working on a pilot house, uh, some more efficient ways to bring this to our client. There's kind of middle ground programs that offer um, headless commerce as kind of a WYSIWYG platforms like Shogun. Um, but there, there is that trade-off that you have to consider when you're getting all hyped up about how easy and amazing this sounds and how it's going to change everything. It, it, you are really taking on building a totally custom app from scratch to accommodate these things. Yeah, it's, it's really not plug and play. It's really like actually like opening the, the big bucket of Lego and dumping it on the ground and saying, get going to it. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of examples that might sort of like help define when it's a good scenario or when it's not. And these are just anecdotal scenarios from my agency. That's what I was going to ask. So please go ahead. I think, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying like, I don't know if there's a specific scale at which clients should start thinking about this. There's probably some number where it might make sense to graduate, so to speak, out of the Shopify and, and we'll just use Shopify again as our as our baseline to graduate out of the theme environment and into a headless scenario. That might be some like dollar figure. It might be some staff number. I'm not sure how to like actually dictate that. Wouldn't it come um, down to functionality though? Wouldn't it come down to like what you really want to accomplish in your customer experience? Yes. So that was the other side of it. And it's like, okay, but if you, if you can't actually sell appropriately, you know, maybe it's a really specific type of product or you're, you're really aiming for a unique way to, to subscribe to something, then you start talking about, okay, well, now we're actually, we're talking automatically, we're outside of the theme environment. We can't build that stuff really well in a theme, so we need to 
building in a, in a different way using different technology. And the example that comes to mind is a, a product that we built and uh, continue to support, is, which is a cannabis e-commerce experience. The thing about uh, cannabis, especially here in Canada, is that each province legislates the taxation and the uh, legal limits and whether or not recreational cannabis can even be purchased online. There's like every province has its own set of rules, its own set of taxation. And you also need different licenses for these different provinces. So if a cannabis shop wants to sell online across provincial borders, not only do they need multiple licenses, but as a user or as a customer, I need to arrive I need to be shown the appropriate products with the appropriate pricing because there's different taxes and I might have a different cart limit because I'm in BC as opposed to someone who's in Saskatchewan or Ontario who might have a different cart limit. So all of a sudden my user experience can be localized and it, there can be these really specific things like when I sign up for account, an account, it needs to be verified by someone at the company and I can go through all of these like user experiences that are richer and not really standard within the Shopify theme environment. You couldn't really do it in the in the theme you environment. Couldn't. Yeah. Like. You'd be too you'd have to have all individual stores, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Which would be a nightmare on the back totally. end. Totally. So what we're able to do is just create very specific rules or very specific experiences for different types of users. The other thing that we can do is we can supplement the data from another source. So we all know Shopify products have a specific schema to it. There's a title, there's a description, there's a price, we can have variants, there's photos, et cetera, et cetera. There is a metadata schema that you can add to that, but if you want that to be really rich and a good experience to build on, we've actually implemented a, a, a secondary content management system, a secondary database that ties the two. So all of a sudden we can have cannabis that has different THC levels. We can we can indicate THC levels and terpene levels. We can define those terpenes on a, uh, a global site-wide schema. There's like information architecture that is well beyond what Shopify supports because Shopify wasn't built for cannabis. Uh, it was built for, it was built for snowboards actually. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> That's a great example. Uh, yeah, so there's like a richness to the product and how it is sold that put that company outside of the capabilities of what a theme can do. And so that was a natural selection to build headless. That's just one example, there's many, right? These days, it's expensive to get shoppers to your store. So when they do show up, you wanna make the most of each order. Thankfully, there's Aftersell Post-Purchase Upsell, the most popular upsell app on Shopify. With Aftersell, you can create targeted on-brand post-purchase offers that maximize your AOV. Trusted by over 6,000 merchants, including hundreds of Shopify Plus stores like Brewmate, True Classic Tees, and Good American, Aftersell has generated over $50 million in revenue for their merchants. We've partnered with Aftersell to create a special offer for DTC listeners. Visit aftersell.com DTC for a 10% off lifetime subscription to Aftersell and white glove support for Plus merchants. On top of that, there's a 30-day free trial, so there's zero risk to installing. That's aftersell.com slash DTC. Brett, jump, jumping to like the performance marketing side, like I know you're building, you're innovating in this headless space. And if you've listened to this podcast for any time, you know, we've worked on different landing page delivery tools and a, a lot of different tech that kind of powers Pilot House in a way. How are you thinking about headless commerce right now in the performance marketing journey? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And my bullishness on headless commerce is actually pretty polarizing to all the stuff we've talked about. It's the stuff we're talking about is actually a result of what we got, what got me into it, which is the performance side of things. So for context, I come from a performance lead generation background where pretty much the the entire game is making your page convert as, as well as possible, right? And now that we're transitioning over to the e-commerce space and really trying to to dial in and, and in the, the space we're living in right now where social traffic and traffic in general is something you have less and less control over, you're making those moves on page, on site, on your user experience. So outside of being a headless commerce allowing you to onboard all of this additional functionality, adding functionality that might not be supported in Shopify, by bringing things and having control over your own front end, you have the ability to not only make the traditional conversion rate optimization moves you'd want to make, split testing your buttons, your headlines, your hero images, things like that, but digging a little bit deeper on the technical sides to have pages be load in as efficient as, as humanly possible, render things properly, make sure that pages are being loaded under and prioritized properly. And is this just because you can build more robust architecture that delivers these things faster than Shopify's native themes or kind of, themes? more more or less? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, what again? When going back to Shopify and how it's built to cater to literally everybody, that has its advantage of you have the weight of it catering to everybody and every use case and being adaptable to pretty much any case whatsoever. That's got a lot of weight in the code, how things are served, the things they consider, the security measures they put in, all of these things that they need to have to be all-encompassing as a, as a front-end product. When you bring it on yourself, you can basically avoid anything that you don't need that's being loaded in there as extra weight. You can rebuild those apps and those plugins and those extensions that you have no control over that are weighing things down, you could build those yourself and you could dive into serving the pages more efficiently. Now there, there's, that goes very, very deep. Jesse mentioned a few of the languages that, that things are coded in nowadays. We, we've been coding pages in Vue here on the Powerhouse side of things and use it in, using something called edge workers to serve the pages. So traditionally when you request a page, uh, you click the link, goes to Shopify, Shopify asks all of its servers, where are these image hosts? Hey, plugins, where are these plugins hosted? Let me load all these things in. Oh, we have to wait for a response from where this image is hosted. It's a long conversation between a lot of different servers that have to be loaded in and rendered in at real time. When we're able to fully control that front end, what we can do is pre-render all the assets as a raw HTML page before anything is even called in. Have that sitting on a server, not only on a server, but physically close to the users clicking it. So we use Cloudflare um, edge rendering. So there's basically a whole bunch of servers physically close to the volume coming it's in. It's like fulfillment by Amazon for, for data. It's <laughs> That's a very good analogy, actually. <laughs> so the pages, the pages are locally stored, pre-rendered with everything static that can be um, and serve the users. And we're talking close to like 100% load time decreases on some heavier themes. Uh, and just for our listeners, why? Why is that? So that's a great explanation of how, you know, this these systems make things faster. Why is that so critical? I mean, like the that 
the first experience of your site, um, never mind the aesthetics of it, the branding, how it shows up, whether or not it loads in is your first touch and your first bringing in that site. If it's slow and it's janky, you're looking at a blank screen where there should be a hero image loaded in, the price is kind of moving around as things render in, all of those things that happen in some themes that again, you have no control over, the image is being hosted in a really large format that you haven't known to scale down and all this, all these other weird edge cases that are a culmination of your how you have your products listed, how your themes are set up, how your plugins are conflicting with each other. And just straight page speed. Page speed massively is like the highest impact on conversion rate, right? To simplify, page, page speed is one of your, especially coming off cold traffic like Facebook or something like that's the page speed, that initial impression of the site, how quickly it snaps in, how well put together it looks is a night and day experience. Never mind the fact that some sites might take like five seconds to load and people won't even see it because they'll drop off and get frustrated. On, on sites like TikTok and Snapchat, which are very quick, anything over a second will often get missed out. So where any any like fraction of a second makes a difference, never mind when we can make substantial drops like we're able to do using using some of the techniques where we're using at Powerhouse. Very cool. Jesse, what do you, what do you think of that stuff? Page performance equals revenue performance, really. Like when it comes down to, I mean, I can think of times when I've closed an app because it wasn't loading. Would I have purchased something during that experience? I don't know. But I will close a website if I'm like, why, what is going on here? And I'll, I'll close it. And especially in the world of, of TikTok and Snapchat traffic and these fast paced platforms, like if you're, you're, if when you're in that mindset of instant satisfaction, if you don't get that from the, the website that you clicked on, you're going to move on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that simple. I think one of the other reasons that we talked about previously with some of the technologies that we built as well was that ability just from a straight ad sense to to test parts of the funnel without changing winning ad URLs. Is that still a big part of, of the vision on the back end of the, is that still part of, of what we're building on the, on the pilot outside? Yeah, I, it, it's, it's really just a consequence of owning it, honestly. I mean, if, if you own the page and where it's hosted, you could do whatever you want. You could split test it. You can make a change without worrying about how it's going to affect the rest of your Shopify page. You get that granular control and understanding of everything that you're doing and the changes that you're making. It's, it's, there's so many pleasant consequences of, of moving into this and having that, that granular control. It, it really just comes down to you. all of these things that we just take as rules just don't apply anymore. You can do whatever you want. It's your page. You own it. You have that data on your servers. You, you can literally do whatever you want. Another, another important thing to mention too, we talked about how this is a very high barrier to entry and it is in a lot of cases, but one of the really nice things about retaining Shopify as like you said, Jesse, what it does well, managing your stock, your products, your, your shipments, all of that. Uh, headless and a Shopify experience can coexist because of that. Because the backend is still centralized, say you want to build an iPhone app, for example, that you handle a lot of your commerce through, but you want to retain your web app on Shopify. There's no reason those two things can't coexist with one another. And what that also means is you can kind of dip your toe in headless commerce without making this gigantic investment. One of the things that we're, we're testing a lot of and seeing success is just building headless PDPs. Product so, display pages for any newbies out there. Yeah, the product that you see when you click on an ad and you see the product, here's the price, here's all about it. So usually if we have a client that's running traffic to a product, obviously that's gonna be that main first impression. That's where that load time is gonna make the biggest impact. That's where we're gonna really be able to 
deploy this headless experience and have and be able to make the biggest difference. So what we're able to do is build just that PDP in the headless environment, have the store, the cart, everything else surrounding it exist within Shopify in the front end without bringing on a team of what would quite literally be four or five developers to build this up. Um, so there's, I just want to preface with, we're pitching it like this big intimidating thing, and it is, it can be to dive into if you go head first, but it doesn't have to be. There are ways that you can leverage the benefits of headless commerce without a seven-figure tech budget. Totally. And I should also say, like, uh, just to add to that point, Brett, there, there are many ways to tiptoe into this. You can run a Shopify theme and a headless e-commerce shop from the same Shopify store. All the headless app is doing is just accessing the API. The theme also does the same thing. So you can point some URL to this one, my the Shopify theme store, and you, you can point a different URL to this one, my headless Shopify store. So there's there's ways to, and, and just for as an example for, for that, like what we've done in the past is we've developed a Shopify theme for a standard customer experience. We've also developed a headless wholesale app that ties into the same Shopify that filters just specific products and has different pricing arrangements and stuff like that. So we're running both a wholesale and a, a wholesale headless app and a customer experience from the same store using multiple different URLs. So there's like, you know, and then if you wanted to do an iPhone app on top of that, you can just go at it from pretty much anywhere, right? So as soon as that API is open, any software that you build can talk to that Shopify instance. We're in the week, I think, where we're all just seeing GPT-3 just getting hammered on our social feeds, just all these different applications of AI. I actually just saw a TikTok of someone writing a Python script, asking GPT-3 to write a Python script for stock trading based on all these parameters. And they and it did it. It would take a good coder 30 minutes to do it, and it did it in, you know, 10 seconds kind of thing. I just like to, you know, future think here a little bit. Brett, any, any ways that you can see Headless and AI interacting in the future for, for different customer experiences? I mean, the biggest one that comes to my mind when you say that is just like the customer service front-facing side of things. Like you could build, I mentioned chatbots earlier, oh, whether that's over SMS or an IVR telephone type experience or a live chat widget that's embedded on your site or maybe it's tied to a product somehow because again, you control everything. Um, you'd have the, the liberty to offer that chatbot the ability to issue refunds provide discounts for retention, layer things on top of that. Um, we go in the realm of, of split testing, which again, once you once you, once you bring on and own the site, you'll be able to use similar tools like Google Optimize, if you guys are familiar with that, where you could auto split test elements within your site. Uh, you could very easily integrate a, a first party version of something like that on your page. Um, there, there's lots of different ways you'd be able to leverage AI, but yeah, chatbots and, and split testing on page are the two ones that come to mind immediately. Yeah, split testing and optimization of, of content came to mind for me. So uh, aligned there. Man, there's, that's, a, that's a really good and, and like wonderfully loaded question. Cause yeah, I'm trying to ask it to all my guests right now. Is like, are you using AI? Like how? Because I, I just feel like the businesses of the next, you know, uh, the next hundred years are going to be the ones that aren't just seeing the raw power of this thing. Like uh, out the gate, it's like the businesses that that harness it. I was I was hearing someone talk today about how Google's search algorithm could be disrupted from this, from from this open sourcing of all this data that people can have all this access to. There's there's all sorts of things that could come of it. 
I've got a question in the same vein. Like the more I research in, into headless, headless isn't like a brand new concept, but I'm curious from an e-com perspective, it, like, is this statement true? Like headless commerce will be more relevant in 2023 than it ever was before. And if so, why? I, I would almost hazard to say, I mean, before Shopify and all these self-serve platforms, headless was the only way to build an e-commerce store. Um, so really, I think headless will become not necessarily more and more relevant because e-commerce is becoming more relevant. People are going to the, the easy options, the Shopify's, the, the WooCommerce, the things that are the easy to entry platforms. What I do think is the impact that headless will make will be greater and greater and greater and greater as that as that gap widens um, and becomes broader. I think the the barrier to entry to get in is still fairly specialized, and I, I would think it would take a, a few more years at least for people to start realizing the benefits and being able to apply them. But that's that's just my take. I'll maybe add, add a bit of color or my opinion to that. So yes, it will continue to be more more relevant. Every year, there's a greater number of people buying online, which means all of the companies who are selling online are getting bigger. And as they get bigger, they're going to need to think of new ways to engage their audience. And that might mean different experiences. The number of technologies that are out there, i.e. VR, AR stuff, the relative ease at which it is to, to build and integrate with um, a mobile app, these are all, all of this stuff is becoming uh, a little bit easier to, to do. On top of that, if you look at what Shopify is doing, they're investing heavy in this. They've invested in a company called Sanity. Sanity is a, a, a third-party CMS. It's the one that we used for this headless Shopify experience that I spoke about earlier. Um, them investing in a CMS like that says, hey, we're putting our money on headless. Shopify has also delivered their own sort of language and hosting engine for headless commerce called Hydrogen and Oxygen. So they're putting a lot of money and a lot of resources and they're hedging their bets that like, Yes, we're always going to have that, that small, medium-sized business here, but they're going to need to graduate to Shopify Plus. And when Shopify Plus uh, and the theme engine uh, is there, they're hitting the ceiling there, they're going to need to graduate to something else. These e-commerce shops are going to be tech companies, and they're hedging their bets on that by investing in these technologies. My question is like, we've talked about breaking outside of the box, but it just sounds like we're creating a new space to play in. And there'll be other companies that build structures within this new environment, right? That'll make things easier and easier. Is that is like, so that everything might not have to be a custom job. There'll be all sorts of new, you know, new brands want to sell in this particular way and they'll use the headless infrastructure and build something that is a little bit more plug and play in the coming years, right? There, there are many communities and, you know, like even React packages that, already do a whole lot of the stuff the you know i mentioned earlier that it was kind of like opening the lid on a lego box and dumping it on the floor there's a bunch of pieces that you're going to need to build if you want to create an experience for yourself or depending on what you want to build but you know a lot of those pieces are already sort of like starting to take shape and you can reuse code you know there's the development community is always so mutually supportive and uh shopify community is the same so um the overlap of, of develop, developers in that space is, is huge. It will continue to get easier. Yeah, I agree. And we'll have to keep checking back in with our uh, Innovation Brain Trust here. Brett and Jesse, thanks for coming on uh, All Killer No Filler today, guys. This was fun. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's All Killer No Filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. 
I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.